Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Level Up Human, the comedy science podcast souping up the homo sapien. Hello, humans. Welcome to 2018. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yay. Yay. How are you? Very well, thanks. Yeah, I've been saying to people for the last few days, like, yeah, my Christmas was lovely and yeah new year yeah 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 it's all lies if I, <laughs> if I think back to any individual minutes it was like god it was hell but i have three toddlers so of course it was how was yours well you know filled with marginally less woe and the general existential angst and yes the feeling that at some point at any point in the future everything could be on fire but other than that actually really really good like, it was a quiet relief I was pleased that so many news programs were just reporting silly nonsense rather than what's happening across the pond at the minute. That kind of yeah, thing. that was good, wasn't it? They they do do a good effort of pretending everything's fine for Christmas, and which is nice. I got the best Christmas present in the entire world. Oh, what did uh, you get? Entirely inspired by the fact you already have one. I got a see-through <laughs> toaster. What? And have you been... I've toasted, I've christened caref- it. ...carefully yes. watching the toast browning through the glass. I invented this when I was 12. I, I mean, I say invented, I said all toasters should be see-through. You, and then I found one in real life. Well, you convinced me. I remember the first time I saw yours and said, that's the most amazing thing ever. And bearing in mind, we've got a podcast about technology and advancing humans. I'm still to see anything in all of our podcasts that tops a see-through toaster. So now I have one. This is me crossing out the uh, agenda. <laughs> Let's talk about toast. What's your favourite thing to toast in the see-through toaster so far? Oh, so far, it's actually probably just standard bread and seeing the like, less smooth brownness spread across it. It's also got, I think, a thing which is, is really also incredible. Mine's, it's reasonably fancy for a start. You press a button and it lowers itself. And it's got a... What? W- yeah. Mine doesn't do that. It's got two alarms. So rather than the one that says your toast is ready, it's got a pre-alarm so you can check that your toast isn't burnt. This is insane. I'm slightly in love with this invention. It, it's perfect. I got a uh, robot Hoover. You got a... What? An actual... Where is it? It, Can we have it as a third guest? I'll put it to clean the room while we're doing the podcast <laughs> and it will just whir away quietly in the back. No, I, well, Does okay. it work? Yeah, no, it's great. Actually, I will get it and I will put it on just for a minute and then we'll turn it off because it'll be too noisy. You've got to be kidding me. Now, look, first of all, observe that there is stuff on the floor, right, obviously, because it's my 
my house, so it's like crumbs everywhere. Then we're going to set the robot Hoover to using your phone. Using using an app, obvs. Right, okay. Where's the bag? It's tight. What the? <laughs> this is brilliant. Maybe this podcast should just be me getting hold of robots and then starting them going in the presence of Simon Watt. Okay, well, I've got a couple of questions here. I mean, first of all, how good is your life that this was the next step? I know. And secondly... Isn't it great? To be you... fair, however good my life was, uh, or however bad my life was, the next step would be... It's just bumped into the microphone stand. <laughs> the next step would be always getting a robot hoover. For the listeners at home, if you've seen the Terminator movies and you're aware of the T-1000 and the T-101, what I'm basically looking at is the T-1. It is a, a tiny <laughs> disc... It's not it's that a little tiny. bit intimidating, actually. Well, my daughter is terrified of it. It's also remarkably silent and also too small. Like, where does the dirt go? Does um, it it, goes, after it two... goes in its bum. Well, yeah, but like, how does it? How does it fit? Is it does it like deposit little pellets like a wombat um, as it goes? No, it doesn't have cubic feces like a wombat does. Which could be could be the second fact I've ever dropped on this podcast. If I <laughs> pause it, I will show you. Right. Okay, also, you can do this. Oh, no, you can't. Oh, damn it. Okay, I'm on. If you're setting it to do donuts, that's the next step. Oh, that's too small. Right, this is the um, uh, rubbish compartment. There we are, look. Yeah, but that's minuscule. Like, no, that's, but it works, though. You can collect one oxocube worth of dirt at a time. Oh, no, it's it's great, honestly. So the time that you spend, the time that you save pushing around the Hoover is the time you spend emptying it 17 well, squillion times no, in your house. No, because let me tell you how often I pushed around a Hoover. <laughs> previous, I mean, come on. Wait, I, the times I push around a Hoover is when somebody is imminently going to ring the doorbell and that is it, right? So essentially, I don't spend any time hoovering normally. Now I just spend more time emptying the Hoover and talking to him because I'm at home on my own him, all day. It's a male Hoover. You've well, gendered the, your Hoover. The kids have called it. No, I haven't gendered the Hoover. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. The kids have called it R two O. Okay, as an R two D two, but a prototype. Well, I mean, I don't know. They haven't given it that much thought, but they've just seen the Star Wars movie, and so they've called it R two O. Okay, so that's what it's called, and I think it's male. Okay, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I have gendered the Hoover. I don't. I don't get. Like, I think the next step is actually you have to get your Hoover some kind of litter tray or something that it can deposit itself. Like, if you're going to have to empty this, then it's kind of hopeless. No, it isn't though, because it. I mean, this is getting tedious this now. This is getting isn't personal it? as well. <laughs> this you're is getting. Like, you're this is several minutes beyond the point at which this stopped being interesting, but that's never stopped us before. How's, how's this changed your life, Rachel? Yes. Let's, for Christ's sake, move on. <sighs> yeah, to, well, should we get to actual news and actual progress? You've suggested a way that we formatted this episode, Rachel. Tell us more. Well, I, I saw this article, which was Gizmodo magazine, which is like an online magazine, the the most futuristic predictions that came true in 2017. It's a great mag. Check out uh, The Pod Delusion by one of its writers, um, a guy who's who's tremendous, James O'Malley. Huh. He writes for them an awful lot. Bit of a Sounds like an excellent name for a podcast. So I just thought we could talk about the things in it because, not just because it's the most futuristic predictions that came true in 2017, but just that there are actually quite a lot of things in here that I didn't know about, we've never talked about, and so I think it's worth having a look at it. The first one being, well, actually, like a theme of the whole thing is uh, what it calls AI's continuing its steady march towards singularity, as we are seeing... (laughs) 
if you're going to use your vacuum cleaner and call that a steady march, a slow meandering amble I mean, I, I think it's fair to say that Skynet are not taking over anytime <laughs> soon because this thing really isn't going to pose any threat to me or my family in the near future, hopefully. That, so the interesting things in this article are things like the, the most advanced military robot can now do backflips. Great military ninja. That that's a that's like a Marvel series movie waiting to happen. Actually, you can do backflips. Is it just showing off now? Well, it is. It is showing off. But if it can do backflips, then that's quite scary in terms of its general ability. Because I think I said on the last podcast, like the last robot I saw doing anything impressive was like Lear Hoover, basically not falling over and doing a backflip is pretty impressive. So it's the Boston Dynamics Atlas, which is now a backflipping cyborg super soldier. There's a an improvement to the company's robotic dog, uh, which is which is now more terrifying looking. Is this big dog? Because big dog is lovely. Like big dog, you can't help but find a little bit of affection for. Everybody at home, go and YouTube big dog, and you'll see actually some things you find upsetting. Because of course, as these machines are supposed to be self-writing, you'll see somebody kicking big dog, and it it hurts Aww. you in the heart. Like you feel for this robot as you yeah. see it stumble well, around. Well, this is this is Boston Dynamics' newest robo dog. Pretty cute, right? Yeah. I'd throw it a chip or something. You'd play fetch with that, wouldn't you? It's an adorable sort of buttercup yellow colour, and uh, it, it kind of looks at you like a dog would. The next step will surely be um, robot stupid dogs. Like it's one of those things you notice if you live in London, is that because nobody wants to have a dog that can go outside, they've got these tiny little handbag inbred monstrosities. So robotics bound to pass that quite soon yeah that would be good wouldn't it and then dogs could go back to being i mean they're not going to be released back into the wild if everyone gets robotic dogs are they but at least in the cities you could have a robotic dog instead of a one that's been genetically modified or at least selectively bred to be genetically pounded i think genetically pounded into (laughs) a cube shape to fit in your (laughs) handbag next to your phone so there's that, so there's robotic advances, and then the most exciting advance in AI last year is AlphaZero. Is it AlphaGo? Well, so, so AlphaGo defeated a grandmaster at Go Yes. a little while ago, and this was like a, a big advance. But the way it did it was that the people who programmed it showed it all the best moves, and it kind of did all the best moves on the grandmaster, and obviously could calculate a lot of things into the future, and so managed to beat it that way. However, uh-huh. the same company have now created a piece of software called AlphaGo Zero, which with no moves programmed into it whatsoever and just a, a sort of explanation of what the, the rules of Go are, uh-huh. played itself millions and millions of times over the course of three days <laughs> and was then able to beat the original AlphaGo 100 games to zero. So playing with yourself does kind of practice. <laughs> I mean, we'll just stop the recording there. Mm. that's the end I do find this have you ever played Go? no I, I do find it fascinating because it's definitely one of those really incredible strategy games and, and the few times I've played it I've lost and I've never understood why but it's it's uh, much much simpler than chess in many ways in terms of there's less rules like my, my problem with chess is really is that it's it's rules until you're good at it like it's just remembering which way the bishop moves and which way the because everything does something different whereas go you're just putting tiles down and you're trying to conquer territories mm-hmm. but strategically it's incredible but it's it's not just go that it's beating it's now moving on to poker now that i find more amazing a, a machine called liberatus has defeated the world's best texas hold'em poker players 
Because poker is not just a game of the rules and of chance and of strategy. It's also a game of knowing what your opponent's going to do. There's mm. psychology in, in this that so there might not be in some of these other games. Well, and this is the thing about poker is that it's the first example of an AI beating human players uh, where it didn't have all the information. Because if you're playing chess, you can see everything that there is on the board. Yes, and it's you sequential. Know, the next you are thing limited happens. only by how well you can analyze it. Yeah. Right. Whereas poker, you don't have all the information. Uh, the other people could be lying, that you know, etc. And and yet AIs are starting to do that as well. Even the Pac-Man score, high score, has been beaten. <laughs> right. Oh dear. Which I didn't know there was a, an actual top score you could get on Pac-Man, but you can't get more than nine hundred ninety-nine thousand nine hundred ninety, and that has now been reached by a Microsoft bot. And it's quite interesting. It it used an approach called hybrid reward architecture in which it had 150 different bits of this um, program which would do different jobs. So one was finding pellets, one was avoiding ghosts, one was finding blue ghosts to eat, one yes. was tracking the piece of fruit. And then there was like a an overall master control bit of AI, which, I mean, you can tell I don't understand any of this jargon, but like, which would coordinate these 150 different agents to work out what to do and, and played a perfect game. Well, do you know, there is there is strategy to Pac-Man, and it's partly because the ghosts that you're talking about have different personalities. This has been programmed in from the start. Do they? Yeah, so there's uh, the red one. There's Well, they're called Blinky, Pinky, Inky, and Clyde. That's the name of the different ghosts. and they all This have is brilliant. They've, I did not know this. They have slightly different uh, strategies. So I think if I get this right, Blinky tracks behind Pac-Man and tries to chase you from behind. Pinky is always aiming for a square which is in front of Pac-Man. Inky, I think, is in front of Pac-Man and up a bit. And Clyde just hasn't got a clue what he's doing and will actually oh, even right. actively run away from you. So okay. if you know this, then you right. can try and... There is actual strategy, but you have to know what your opponents are doing, really. I had no idea. I think I've played Pac-Man a total of three times ever, so... Then you've not played real Pac-Man. It's addictive. That is a great game. No, no, no. I haven't. I know. Fake news is the other thing. AIs are making it increasingly difficult to discern fact from fiction with all kinds of new programs which can do incredible things like mimic anybody's voice with, with just a, like a tiny little bit of uh, input data. I'm terrified. There's a, an AI startup called Liarbird which have created a thing which basically can recreate any voice reading any text with a predefined emotion or intonation apparently i think that was a major freudian slip they did because they're they're talking about the liar bird so-called because it's got a tail feathers that look like a liar the, the the instrument and they're using it as a bird that tells lies really aren't they because mm. they're faking things i think they've done a freudian slip on themselves there let's mimic human speech so we can hack everything and decay trust in anything but even more worryingly the computer scientists at the university of washington have developed a system which can recreate the facial movements of a person and make them look like they're speaking words so if you combine these two things we're going to get to the point where people are posting videos on facebook of barack obama endorsing donald trump but this kind of uh, already exists in some small way like that's what cassette boy's career is based on he does satire by remixing well things. and he could he could use that for evil well, yeah, this this is this is the kind of stuff that people have been trying to do in in certain parts of the world for a long time. Like the doctoring of images goes way way back. It's just now it's got to a point where machines will be able to do it live. I suppose that'll be the next step. Just editing out the truth as it goes. 
Yep. And there's um, an, another piece of AI which can adapt your favorite pornography to have the faces of your favorite film stars. Isn't that lovely? Well, do you know, yes and no, actually. <laughs> I wasn't really... Well, because, is, because is one it, of the things that I suppose you could actually argue is there has been a movement towards what we'll call ethical porn, which is basically trying to create porn without people in it. So you get rid of all the difficulties of what is a very difficult industry, you know, mm-hmm. and replacing them with with computers and machines. Computer-generated people. Yeah. Now, the, the other argument, of course, is I think there's been enough porn made that we we could stop now. You know, <laughs> there's 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 more than anybody could ever we, see we, in their entire life. You could lifetime. say that about opinion. No, but, <laughs> like yes, I suppose we've had all the opinions on the internet. All we need to do is just but pull them into any given news story. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Suppose it's an interesting outlook. Like in the same way, one of the arguments for the legalization of drugs is that people are always they've got some kind of innate drive looking for drugs, looking for highs and things. And in the same way, we'll find that people have innate sex drive. So therefore, if demand for these things is always going to be there, trying to make these demands to be satisfied more ethically is is a good argument. Mm. Well, we know that the demand has always been there and will always be there. Yeah. Because if it isn't, something's gone horribly wrong and we're going to die out. Yes, (laughs) very, very true. But you're talking about, I think the thing which really, really matters here is this potential of doing this stuff live. So let's imagine in the far future. Doing what stuff live? Uh, editing. Oh, so not like, what, what if we have got, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, let's imagine you've got in some super duper contact lenses, which mean that you're no longer seeing a world that you don't want to see. So if you're walking along a the street, there's a homeless guy there. Your yeah. contact lens will just delete that. Yeah. You won't so you see don't even things. see it. And you, it deletes the graffiti. And it deletes the cars yeah. and, it, and, and it replaces the pavement with grass and it puts trees. And And the other question, of course, is if this technology existed and the AI was advanced enough to make these things happen, how would we know that we don't have it already? Ooh. Well, I mean, we, we've already considered the, the possibility that we're all in a simulation. and Yeah, I'm we're probably sure, not. It's I'm okay. sure, well, we are, we aren't. I, in a way, that doesn't really matter, does it? How are we going to... 
if you were in a perfect simulation, why would you choose to listen to this dribble? Nothing else to do, is there? I don't know. Tell us. Tweet us at Level Up Human. <laughs> why do you choose to listen to this dribble? I saw a really, really, really terrifying film this week, right? Which was um, a BBC technology correspondent in a driverless car sat behind the wheel of the driverless car with a virtual reality headset on, uh -huh. which was using the speed that he was genuinely moving at to to create a, a quite beautiful simulation of him flying through a landscape. Oh. Because your body is aware that it's moving along. Yes. But you're not driving the car and you've got three hours to get to Newport or wherever you're going. Mm. Uh, you might as well do something relaxing. And so you just fly through this. But it, but it was completely terrifying. In the future, when everybody's in a driverless car all the time, they're going to look back at these videos of BBC technology correspondents pressing a button and tentatively taking their hands off the wheel. And they're going to have hysterics because it's so funny that we're so, so nervous about it. But, but it is, I mean, it's genuinely terrifying. But taking your hands off the wheel of the car that you're driving and then putting a virtual reality headset on, which is not conveying to you what's going on on the road, is very, very scary indeed. There's also an AI which has taught itself to walk. So this is software a virtual bipedal robot used reinforcement learning to figure out how to walk. And and the results are hilarious, it's got to be said. If you've ever seen that episode of Friends where Phoebe goes running in the park, this robot <laughs> looks a lot like that. It's, it's really uh, punchingly air It's there. adorable. It's just like, yay, running along. My toddler, well, not toddler, he's nearly two now, runs like that. You know, as more up and down than forward. I do love the look on their face, actually. You might get the same in the robot where they go, look, look, dad, I've invented running. Ah! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the other truly incredible thing in this future predictions article is a, an external functional artificial womb, which has been created by the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, which is basically a massive Ziploc bag full of amniotic fluid. And they put six fetal lamb embryos. Well, I say embryos. They were like the equivalent of 23 to 24 weeks. Yeah, so pretty so far along. Pretty already. far along. Actually, yeah. Essentially, this is a way of bringing premature babies to term safely because these lambs develop completely normally in this artificial womb and were then born out of it. And that's that's pretty mind-blowing, actually. And the, the idea that you could have a premature baby in a, in a real womb-like situation rather than an incubator. Yeah, this, this has been an inevitability for a long time because there has been such good research into this and this will this will save lives, this kind of stuff. Mm. More of this, please, again. Uh, the thing I find kind of most fascinating about it, though, is that we could get to a point where we choose to do this. You know, we could, be, we could head yeah, back man. to our well, lizard ancestors. I have no problem with this at all. If somebody said to me, do you want a baby? I'll grow it for you in this bag. I'd be like, yeah. Actually, well, no, I don't want any more. But if I... <laughs> You know, if someone had said that to me several years ago before I had, you know, they were just like, do you want us just to deliver you the baby on this date and you don't have to walk around with it or stab yourself repeatedly on bits of furniture as you maneuver around the size of a enormous beach ball? I would have said, yeah, man, give me some of that. Am I I'm going to be unique here, like controversial. Like I, if I had the choice to carry my baby, I would. Well, if my husband had wanted to carry my babies, I would have taken him up on it as well. I, I don't mind. I don't mind if it's a, a bag on the floor or... But you're going you're gonna to miss all the other things. Like, I suppose that's my main argument here. Because, okay, one of the things we have to bear in mind, half the point of our podcast is that we're always looking at trade-offs. You know, every time we get a new bit of technology, we also lose something else because we're moving away slightly from our, from our nature. And 
let's say that giving birth is traumatic and as horrible as it um, it is, and I can see how we need to inter- intervene for medical sake, and I can see how we need to save the child and the mother whenever, whenever we can, and do everything we can to make make things as safe as we can. But it's a real experience. Like I know my wife wouldn't trade it. Well, there's also isn't there something quite important about babies being delivered normally because of the fecal. Ah, uh, yeah, the, the biome. That's the biome has got to be transmitted to the baby by being delivered normally. Yeah, but let's let's talk about this in the perfect world again. You're talking then about the, about the prototype problem, that we haven't got the technology good enough. If you had the technology good enough that the most healthy baby, uh, perhaps even actually, let's go for it, enhanced, because you can give them things in this artificial womb that you can't give them in a natural womb. Yeah, you know? that's true. So if, if you've got a, the ultimate baby and the ultimate womb, would you still do it or would you choose to go all organic? Would it become a fad? I would do I it even if it was in a Sainsbury bag in my kitchen. I've already, <laughs> <laughs> we've already gone over this. I'm a very lazy person. I'd just like, but also I had all my kids by, it. I had all my kids by section, right? So okay. I don't really feel like I went through the 100% kind of, uh, I'm not fit for purpose. I should be dead. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and so I don't feel like I had the, the full experience anyway. So why not just outsource the whole thing? fundamentally one of the reasons why this stuff exists is there'll be hormone things like hormone things like for the, the getting to know your child there mustn't be you no can get to know way. it if it's in your kitchen and you can see it it's if we have it like the see-through toaster where you I, can just peek well, in there we on are your little... don't tell me about your see-through toaster and then say that i should have my baby inside me or i can't I'm see it two my scans bread just it that's not how it works with my toaster i only had two scans for all of these kits right yeah. and it's it's a long time to go between seeing your baby weeks and weeks and weeks if it was sitting in my kitchen just like it would be like a fish tank it'd be great people would come around for dinner you'd be like do you want to see the baby the answer is no actually in most cases for those things it would would be fascinating no but this picture of the lamb in the in the womb is is actually really really mind-blowing because you look at it and and you think wow that's you can see that growing day by day and i like the idea of having a tank in your house where you can show people your baby that's growing and you'd feed it give it some fish food i suppose what well, this this is what it comes down to is like i've well one of the reasons here's here's a, a fascinating bit of evolutionary biology if you think of it is that I've, I've always like i'd like to carry a child and it's mm. because fundamentally you know what's yours like there's there's many arguments to say that a lot of the evolutionary biology behind i suppose maleness is paternal certainty like a woman always knows their kid is theirs or a man never does. And you're lucky enough to get like a whole flood of hormones and everything, which, which allows bonding. Well, there is, um, I, I have this by the way, like, like I, I love my kids completely and I did from the start, but I was terrified before I was born that I wouldn't like it. Like, and you've had not so much connection to it on the basis that it's not with well, you all I, the time. I know fundamentally I don't have as much as his mum, And even like, I feel lucky I have as much as I had, but and bonding isn't even guaranteed through actual birth. But if we remove these things, I suppose every time that we make our life more convenient, there's always going to be the costs to these things. In the same way that it's great that we don't have to go out and work hard in the fields for all our life and go hunting the mastodon, but instead we're dying of heart attacks because we've got fast food. You see, I mean, there's it's trade-offs You said that everything. so quickly that I didn't even follow what... <laughs> Sorry, hunting the, hunting the mastodon. So I'm saying progress is fantastic. It is it is brilliant that we have liberty. It is brilliant right. that we have that we don't have to go out and toil in oh, yeah. fields, or we don't great. have to go out and I don't know hunt down some kind of 
terrifying creature that could maul us to death for our food. But on the flip side, it also means then that we're that, that the convenience ends up killing us. You know, more people now die of eating than die of starvation. Yes. So what, what would be the equivalent of this? Like, bearing in mind that there's there's a certain strand of Britishness which is happy sending children off to boarding school and says, bring the child to me once a year so I can just check. Ideal. Yeah. <laughs> bring I'm it back joking. and they can talk and play the piano. Yeah. And then we'll put it into the government. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is a this is a thing. Yep. What's going to happen with this gestation thing? I don't think gestating your baby outside the womb makes... Well, you see, I disagree with the principle that having a baby in a bag in your kitchen is is less bonding than having it inside you. You can visit it every day. You can see how it's doing. You can look at it. You can pet it. You can read its stories. You can play it music. You'd be much closer to it than if it was inside your own body. That's inherently untrue because well, there's not nothing physically more closer. Closer, but like you know, you could sit next to it and talk to it and see it. There is something genuinely weird about being pregnant, and you you can't disagree with me on this for once because uh, oh, I, I agree. There's plenty. You know, weird. you you have something which is yes inside you, and therefore closer than anything has ever been before. Yeah. But I don't feel. I mean, like, how well do you feel you know your heart? Not that well. It's just there, isn't it, inside you, keeping you alive. I didn't feel that close to the baby until it was born. Yeah. And I'd taken it swimming, you know? It's like sometimes you have um you have a connection with your baby and it kicks in at a certain point and it's not necessarily when it's born or even when you're doing all the skin to skin stuff they tell you, you should do. You can not bond with the baby until a much later point. I've got friends who've gone the entire spectrum that you're talking about in terms of everything from being terrified of it because it is a little parasite that's growing inside you and leeching off you. Well, and you could have those negative feelings as well. Yeah. I didn't have the negative feelings, but I didn't feel a sort of overwhelming amount of uh, bonding love to it. It was more like, here's a thing. It's happening. I mean, this is just my, (laughs) this is is just how I see the world anyway. But I'm always wondering what the costs of some of these things are. And one of the things, of course, is also that it means that we'll stop looking after mothers. You know, we'll stop having maternity leave. And we'll, well, you're stop never having... going to get a seat on the tube again, are you? <laughs> yeah. It'll be like, it's in your kitchen, mate. You, you can carry stand. the bag with you. <laughs> Unless you carry it with you and just be like, I'm having a baby. Look, it's here. The next step will be, it'll be go back to being like the stork delivering and you'll have a little Amazon drone carrying <laughs> your bag of baby <laughs> to... Amazon stork. Delivery date will become much more accurate. It'll Amazon... Be in, your baby will arrive between nine and six. On this. That's That's brilliant. I think that's enough for this New Year episode of Level Up Human <laughs> Extra. That's basically all the all the futuristic predictions that came true in 2017. Simon, anything they left out? Um, a bit more GM stuff, genetically modified humans uh, on the way. They do mention in this list uh, biohackers, people trying to do it themselves. But the thing we can really say is fantastic is that bodies, even like the NHS, are looking into gene therapy more as treatments. So this is Good. one of those things we've been expecting for a long time, and now it's finally coming true. Fantastic. Any live dates you want to mention, Simon? Uh, yeah, but a comedy coming up. Actually, one of them I'm doing with you on the 11th of January. We are both going to the Freedom Fridge gig. What, what are you going to be talking about? Yes. Freedom oh, Fridge in... Freedom Fridge in... Where is it? Kentish, Kentish Town. Town. And what's the name of the venue? It's the Rosen Crown, isn't that right? That's right. Formerly Torriano's Rosen Crown. I usually go there and talk about stuff which I've written down in my phone. Uh, I mean, like, it, I really use it for completely new thoughts. So it'll be a shambles. What are you talking about? 
Um, again, v- entirely new, entirely new material for me, but I know one of the things is going to be based on a statistic that I, I worked out ages back. When Elvis died in 1957, there were 170 Elvis impersonators. And then if you graph this, as people like me are very likely to do, in 2007, there were 85,000. So if you extrapolate that, that would mean that by 2019, uh, one in three of us will be Elvis. <laughs> So um, I'm going to be talking about great. that in a very strange and actually quite dark, dark manner. Good. That sounds yeah. amazing. I'm doing proper actual stuff that is hopefully properly funny. On Saturday, I'm going to be at Folkestone Comedy Club. And on Monday the 15th, I'm going to be at The Good Ship in the Colonel Fawcett in Camden. Ah, The Good Ship has moved. That is a wonderful gig. I highly recommend. Ben Vanderveld is a an absolute legend. I'm really looking forward to and being And check on. him out on our podcast. Yeah, fact. absolutely. He was our comedian for Oxford. Um, actually, also, I'll be at The Angel on the 17th. I've been Sam Watt. I've been Rachel Wheelie, and do tweet us at Level Up Human if you have any stories you'd like us to cover. And our Hoover has been R2O. Goodbye. Bye. That was Level Up Human, hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheelie, and supported by the Wellcome Trust. For more information, go to leveluphuman.com. to know which Winnie the Pooh character saved lives, what woman was an opera-singing nun who stole a prince's girlfriend, and which guru from Tibet was actually an unemployed trustmaker from Devon, then listen to the Zedless Deadless podcast with me, Izzy Lawrence, where I ask a load of guests to tell me about their favourite obscure person from history. Guests include Dan Carlin, Helen Zaltzman, Simon Watt, Griffiths Jones, Paul Sinha, Richard Herring, Zoe Lyons, John Ronson, and many, many more. Please visit zedlessdeadless.com or Izzy, that is isizi.com for more details. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.